Black people. Black history. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Black People Tell Black History. And today we have the honor and the privilege of speaking to Sean Seifawal. The um, honor's all mine. For the few people in the world who do not know you um, and do not know your work, which is a very, very, uh, just like, it's got to be like two people. Three people. It's got to be. <laughs> in Manchester. <laughs> ah, that's Only- true. Man, people in Manchester don't know what's up. You know, that's, that's good. That's yeah. cool. We're going to let them know what's Could you please share with us just a, about your work um, and who you are as well, separate from your work? Whoo. Um, so um, what's what's up, everyone out there? Um, my name is Sean Seifer-Wall. My pronouns are he, him, and his. Um, <clears throat> you might hear my dog in the background. Um, his name is Justice. Um so what is it what what do I do? Um I would say that I am um an intersex activist. Um so you know just to do a little definition um an intersex person is someone who has like sex characteristics like um you know reproductive organs, chromosomes, hormones, uh genitals that are considered by the medical establishment to be atypical for men and women. So I was born with the intersex variation, and because I experienced um, medical violence at the age of 13, I think that's really um, has, like, lit my fire um, for not wanting this to happen to other children and young adults, you know? Yeah. so um, I'm co-founder of the Intersex Justice Project, um, which is a project that seeks to end medically unnecessary surgeries um, in the United States um, that's spearheaded by um, intersex people of color. And I'm also uh, a Marie Curie fellow um, looking at uh, the institutional erasure of intersex people in Ireland and England. I didn't choose the topic. It was chosen for me. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I'm currently getting my PhD at the University of Huddersfield. So, you know, I'm a dog dad, um, I'm a researcher and I'm an activist. So speaking of which you, you mentioned that, you know, you didn't choose, uh, the research or the research topic for your dissertation, um, around intersex folks in Ireland, um, and England, I, I would say, in England, I would say that from the outside looking in, some folks might say that maybe their only exposure to the intersex community is pretty predominantly white or um, more visible conversations about the intersex community have been dominated by white folks. Would you agree with this sentiment? And how do you normally engage black people who aren't intersex, but also other intersex black folks in a conversation around being intersex? Ooh. I mean, that's like a two-part question. Um, I'll take I'll take the first one. Uh, take the first one for five hundred. Right. Um, okay. I, I feel like a lot of the way um, intersex has been framed um, has been from um, white people, and it's not to say that there haven't been people of color who haven't shared their stories, who haven't left their testimonies um 
mm-hmm. you know, I think there's um a I forgot her name. I think it was Carlette Brown, um, who was a like black um intersex woman. I think she was from Chicago. I, I don't remember, but it was like during the fifties. Um so, you know, I think we've been sort of like leaving our histories, our testimonies, but whether it gets sort of like found or whether it's archived or whether it's even listened to is another thing. Right. Um, yeah. So I feel like, you know, for me, um, you know, I think a lot of the way intersex has been sort of, you know, framed has been, I'll take a U.S. perspective, um, was with the founding of the Intersex Society of North America by then Cheryl Chase, now Bo Laurent, who's a white person, right? Um, mm-hmm. And there were people of color um, sort of involved in those early days. I know Emi Koyama, who's like a Japanese um, disabled rights activist, um, sex worker, um, femme, you know, um, totally involved um, with ISNA at the time. But, you know, I think for me, like, f- you know, for black intersex people, I'm interested in sort of black intersex stories, right? Um, yeah. and, it, and it also makes me um, think about a conversation I had with um, a project officer at one of these funds. Um, I won't, I won't be I won't be too shady and name the fund, but basically, you know, know, but um, the project officer was like, you know, the intersex movement is largely white. Right. And I'm just like, that's not true because like, it's just not true because most of the world is people of color. Right. Um, So to say that the intersex movement is white or European is a lie. Right. Um, and so I think in recent years, we sort of had like, we've had like the, the visibility of like intersex people of color, right? Sort of like intersex groups yeah. in Africa, intersex groups in Latin America, intersex groups in Asia, right? So I think just because, you know, I think, so just because people may not have the resources, right? Because I think sometimes it's like, do you have the resources? Do you have the support? Are people listening, right? Um, And I think the success of the early intersex movement in the United States was because, like, Cheryl Chase was a white woman with resources, right? Um, Who was able Mm -hmm. to leverage technology where people would be able to find out about intersex issues, which is why, you know, eventually she was able, she was invited to sort of medical conferences because she was white, Right. Um, Because like, you know, they're not trying to invite me to any urology conference because they're like, "Mm -mm, we don't want that smoke. Right. Um, So I I, I do think it's about like when I think about issues related to intersex people of color and black people um, and black intersex people, I'm like, who is listening? Who gets heard? Um, what resources are available to actually amplify those voices, right? Um, which is why I've always sort of appreciated sort of Erica, you and Erica sort of tapping me to be like, okay, well, let's let's hear like black intersex stories. Like let's hear black intersex people. Um, so yeah, and I hope that as we, as the movement keeps growing that we will hear and we have heard 
like different sort of like yeah. stories from black intersex people. So I hope that trend continues. Absolutely. And I have one follow-up question about that. Go ahead, babe. Oh, no, go ahead, Erica. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, my, my, only, my only other follow-up question around that is, like, what is the impact of uh, Black intersex folks um, seeing other Black intersex people and hearing of Black intersex narrative, mm. even though the context of um, the larger intersex movement, people are misperceiving it as white? Right. Yeah, I, I do think for me, it's like, um, for what it's worth, um, you know, I think in the in the U.S., <clears throat> like I've interacted with, you know, the younger sort of folks who are coming up, right? And I think like who've been intersex people of color, black intersex people who've been like, you know, meeting you was like, like really like, wow, like... I can do this, right? Like, I can share my story. Um, And it's not to say it was, like, you know, because of me. But I I do think there is something to see yourself, like, when you're not out, when you're not visible, to see yourself represented, right? Like, I remember when Mm -hmm. I was young, I went to the Insight Conference in Chicago. I think it was... Now, now I'm getting old. I just turned 44. I'm like, whoo, that memory is not serving me like it used to. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, it was like, I think in 2002 or 2003, the Insight Conference in Chicago. And I remember I saw Lionel Stephanie Long, who's like, you know, a black intersex woman. Um, I think she identifies as lesbian. And just seeing her, right? I was so, like, scared to go up to her because I was like, Meh! Like, I was so nervous, right? But just to be able to see her, and as, like, a young, at the time, young, butch person, like, seeing, like, this other black intersex person, I was like, wow, it was mind-blowing, right? And so I think, you know, I sort of take, um, like, I'm just really sort of, like, um, amazed and humbled at, like, this, like, next generation of activists coming up from like South Africa, from Kenya, from Zimbabwe, like um, in the US folks like Johnny, Queen Johnny, Bria, like these people who are just like um, coming up after me because these are the people who are going to take the torch, right? These are the people who want to take the charge and yeah. keep, the, keep it going. Um, so yeah, I feel really inspired and really humbled Um by them, and I think when I see like the this next generation of leaders, like for me, it, it doesn't even I don't even care, you know, about you know whether white people see us or not, right? Because I'm like, right. we see us, like we're visible, right? And it's just like that's right. Like for me, it's just like I I want to be as visible to my people so that they can be as visible to each other. And it just keeps on going. Right. And it's just like, that for me is just like, ah, this is why, this is what keeps me doing the work. This is what keeps me inspired. You know? Absolutely. I love that. They, they don't need to know. <laughs> Goodbye. White. Yo! Um, Yo! Seriously. Um, it's too much that's centering them. One, one thought that I was having is, 
There's so much erasure around intersex variation that how, even as a sex educator, when we talk about intersex variation, intersex identity, it does beg the question of how would you know if you did have a non-consensual procedure as a baby, right? Or then your parents never revealed it to you. So we could be talking to people who have intersex variation at all, at, at any time, right? And they have no idea. Right. So like, how do you totally. speak to even that, like the mystery behind what what this could even be for you? And, and maybe there's questions that you could be asking your parents or your guardians, or is there paperwork? Like what, what is it that, how would this reveal itself? Because sometimes it just, it's not as evident um, or doesn't right. yeah, show for anybody anyway, for lots of people. Totally. Yeah. It's just, that's, you know, that's a great question. And it's so layered, right? Because I think it's mm-hmm. like, you know, because our, understanding of intersex is so minimal i think for the people who do know people sort of distance themselves from it right because i think the way a lot of people sort of understand intersex is like oh well well one a lot of people don't know what intersex is and then i think for the people who do know they think oh well that means you have a penis and a vagina and i don't have that so i'm not intersex right um and i think there are people who have had surgeries done to them, like, you know, a very common, um, two very common variations that are often seen in clinics and hospitals is one congenital adrenal hyperplasia, which often, um, um, when it shows up in girls or children who are assigned girls, they tend to have like a masculinizing of the genitals, um, which is why they do sort of like clitoroplasties or clitoral reduction surgeries on those girls. Um, and another variation is hypospadias. Um, and so that's where the urethra and people and children who are assigned as boys, where the urethra is located, um, toward the base, base of the penis. Sometimes, um, there's like a flared opening, um, as it sort of is located further down. Um, and often, you know, if, so for instance, if a child has hypospadias, and it's not severe and severity is marked by if the urethra is closer to the anus, right? So if a child has hypospadias mm-hmm. and is closer to the tip, they'll just do like a correction and often they don't tell the child, right? Um, mm-hmm. Because I think the way the issue is presented is sort of presented as an abnormality, right? I think increasingly there yeah. is more sort of medical education um, where some physicians are not presenting presenting it as an emergency. Some people are presenting it as sort of like, these are variations that happen. But I think people are really sort of attached to this idea of their child being normal, right? Um, yes. And there's a lot of stigma. There's still a lot of secrecy. There's still a lot of shame, um, which is why people don't know, right? And unless people have, yeah. like, variations that are detected at birth or in childhood, like, they have hormonal differences, not even, if they have chromosomal differences, or for me, I had a genital difference, you know, that's when it gets detected, right? But, you know, for me, like, 
I do sort of like I've been having these like public conversations about PCOS, right? Because people with mm-hmm. polycystic ovarian syndrome, they don't know why it happens, right? Um, and basically, a lot of people, and it's been dope to go on TikTok and people be like, I have PCOS, I'm intersex, right? Um, you know, because, yeah. you know, PCOS is also um, <clears throat> sort of grouped in with hyperandrogenism, right? Which is when a person who's assigned female produces a lot more testosterone, right? Um and so I think, you know, but I've talked to people with PCOS. I've mentioned that it's an intersex variation. And there's still people who are like, yeah, I can really see that, but that's not me. Right. So I think we still have a long mm-hmm. way to go as far as like education around intersex, how it shows up in the body, the different ways that it can show up in the body. And I think, you know, I don't know, like, I often think about what's the tipping point, right? Like, what's the tipping point at which there's just so much visibility that people want to be part of it, right? Because I think, like, 20 years ago, you know, you didn't have people being like, I'm trans or, like, I'm genderqueer, you know? It was still sort of marginal, right? And now people out here being like, Mm -hmm. I'm non-binary, I'm gender fluid, I'm trans, you know? It's just, you know? Right. I think it's just sort of like you have like visible trans people, you have visible non-binary people, you have sort of like these are more sort of public conversations. I mean, nowadays these conversations are just so fraught, you know? Um, But I I do feel like because um, there's more visibility, people don't feel like it's a big thing to sort of be trans or non-binary. Right. Whereas I still feel like there's still like a lot of misinformation. There's still like a lot of there's still a lack of education around intersex. Right. Um, So, again, like hopefully I think, you know, our movement is still young. You know, it's been, what, 30 years. Right. Um, And, you know, it takes movements like decades, centuries to really get to a place of visibility um, and um, having a solid ground. So, you know, I may not see it in my lifetime, but at least I've done what I can to sort of, you know, make the road a little bit easier. Yeah, that that is, that's super informative. I actually did not know that PCOS was a form of intersex variation. Um, and, I, and I can see, you know, being a part of like the fertility space and, the conversations on TikTok and on the internet around PCOS and how there is a, an aversion to also seeing that as intersex very, like to relate to yourself, right? The, the, I want to say the stigma that surrounds intersex variations could very clear um, just in that conversation. And then when you go to a fertility specialist, they're not talking to you about PCOS as it relates to intersex variation either. Um, right. So okay. that, and, and even when I even when I did my genetics testing, because you have to do all of that, you can opt out of it, of course. But, um, when you're doing that with sperm banks and you're also checking your own genetic like dispositions or whatever, there's a lot of conversations about intersex variation where they just try to scare you, right? Totally. Like they're not even used, they're not even saying intersex, right? They're not using like... Right sort of layman's terms, they're using the very 
medical term. And so a lot of people don't know what that is. Even I had to be like, wait, are you oh. talking about intersex variation? You know what I mean? So there's just a lot of stigma and fear um, that medical institutions do all the time. Like, they are known for this. Um, so I get people, Ooh. I don't get people's aversion, but I understand where it's coming from. Um, 100%. Totally. Yeah. And the thing yeah. is, is that, you yeah. know, for me, it's sort of like, you know, I am um, sort of like, I'm pro-abortion. Like, I'm pro-choice, right? And mm-hmm. the reality is, is that if there are people who are expecting, who want to be parents, who are pregnant, and they go through genetic counseling... And if they have a child who has, like, in utero, who has, like, chromosomal variations or genital variations, you know, there are definitely options for selective abortion to abort, like, children who intersex fetuses, right? Um, And so Mm -hmm. for me, Mm -hmm. like, you know, I really, I'm really committed to bodily autonomy because I think everyone deserves that, right? And I, I think it's also like, wow, this is deep, right? Because like, because it's I'm deep. pro-choice and pro-abortion, that means intersex children will not be born. Because if people have yeah. the option, a lot of people will be like, mm, no, I don't want to give birth to some freak. I don't want to give birth mm-hmm. to some child who's different, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And that's my issue with genetics counseling, not to go off on a tangent, but two seconds. It's, it's, you're it's fear based right it really is treating you like you like you said like oh i don't want to give birth to a freak and that is how they talk about it so how informed is it really you know what i mean how informed are you really going into you know birthing or not birthing this you know this human like it's it is complicated it's yeah as a person that is worship yeah. Yeah. Real talk. Yeah. Same. And I, I think the, I think, I guess my question to both of y'all is like, I think how much is biological essentialism the problem with all of it? I think it, mm. I think maybe people are like, for example, if this is to, the, the intersex movement is to grow and people see you, Sypha, and other um, prominent Black intersex advocates and scholars doing this work but yet the dynamic remains that like you said people find intersex children to be disposable or maybe they you know are thinking of them in stigmatized ways so it's like how the visibility is there but it's not actually maybe moving the needle toward you know maybe it's not enough to sort of dismantle but you know biological essentialism was impacts lots of people intersex people but also queer and trans people as well so i don't know like how do you where do you start as far as getting people to i guess not be be biological essentialists i mean i don't know i mean we can't save everybody you know because i i just that's the that's the piece right there you really can't you really can't. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because, like, I was gutted. Like, I saw on Netflix, please do not watch it if you do not have the, 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 uh, the, I don't know what is it you need. But, like, you know, I was watching the documentary, The Trials of Gabriel Fernandez, which left me gutted. It was a child abuse case in LA where this child was essentially murdered mm-hmm. by his, you know, yeah. his mother and her boyfriend. 
And, you know, one of the things that came out is just like they, they, they beat him to death because they were like he was gay or they thought he was gay. Right. And so the thing is, whether he is gay or not, it's irrelevant. Right. They murdered a child. Yeah. But I, I think often mm-hmm. like homophobia and transphobia are so deeply rooted in our society. Right. And I think that even trumps yeah. like biological essentialism. It's just like there is a mm-hmm. really deep fear and a hatred. But also, you know, when we think about trans people, there's also this lust for trans people, like trans women, trans men. But there's such a deep mm-hmm. hatred and a disgust of gender transgression yeah. and like perceived gender transgression, you know, which I think when I think about just like intersex folks, like our bodies like transgress this idea of gender, right? Like our bodies don't mm-hmm. fit into these really neat categories. Um and it's not to say that like all intersex people, I think most intersex people are gender conforming, to be honest, right? Um, but I, I do yeah. think our bodies do not conform to these like ideas, right? And I think, like I said, like I believe, it's like you can't save everybody. You can try to bring people along, um, but you can't save everybody because I just feel like people really hold on to these beliefs of like, I am a man, I am a woman, right? Like, you know, yeah, that's all there is, right? And that's all there is. Mm-hmm. Um, and that our genitals inform us being a man or a woman, totally. like just being very about you know um, interested in genitals. I mean, even with expecting a child, people's main question is, "What is it?" And I'm like, "How the hell would I know?" <laughs> you know, I don't even know who this person is. Totally. If I'm being honest, we don't know one another. You know, same time, I don't know you. We don't know one another no. like that yet. Right. We know each other spiritually. Right. There's a spiritual knowing, but they're their own, like you said, autonomous person. Right. In there, so why should I subject them to so early on before they even get this side of the realm? to you know people's conceptions of normal right like why is is why would gender be the first thing out of all the things in the world that i could introduce a child to would gender be the foremost thing to introduce them to totally um and like you're saying it with um intersex children the first thing is that they're being introduced to a life within minutes of being born as some um non-consensual medical intervention right instead of like you know what I'm saying? Like, love, care, excitement. You know totally. what I'm saying? Like, you got a baby. Because yeah. I think, I forgot what the statistic yeah. is, but, like, I think, and, and don't quote me on this, but I heard some wild statistic that all the people on Earth represent, like, 25% of um, fetuses that actually make it to, to term. Mm. So there's just so many... There's so many uh, roadblocks <laughs> along the way that prevent a child mm-hmm. from being born, right? Mm-hmm. Like miscarriage yes. or any number of things, right? And so mm-hmm. just to be born mm-hmm. is like a, an accomplishment, right? And this is like, kind of to yeah. your point, Ev, it's yeah. like, we should be celebrating. Here's a baby. Yeah. 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 And to your point, if yeah. you're not willing to celebrate that baby as they are, please have an abortion. Please. <laughs> please. See? See? Not. See? That's some real talk. Yeah. Let, I mean, let's talk about it. That's real it talk. Is. That's real talk. 
story of you know, um, baby Gabrielle. Like that story is horrible. Like it's just don't mm-mm. like if you're not going right. to honor them as they are. Like just right. please use the resources um, that you are able to use, um, and don't treat That's that child. And that yeah, that should be available, you know, in that in that sense. Yeah. Um. I my other question is, you know, sort of not to diverge, but I'm interested in what maybe on a lighter note, maybe not. <laughs> um, what is what has your experiences, if you feel like sharing with mm. dating and intimacy, been like mm. as an intersex person mm. and romance and everything under that umbrella yeah you know what's wild is it's like um i think the first time the i think one of the first times that i had sex like clothes off right but naked like um i was in i think my junior year or was it my it was my junior year of college and i remember i called my mom in tears because i was so scared to have sex right because for me, you know, I have, you know, my body is like an intersex body in the sense of like, you know, I was castrated when I was 13. Um, so I don't have my testes, but I think my genitals are pretty much how, how they always been. And, you know, I think for me, like having a body that is somewhere along the spectrum, you know, I think... It was very, um, yeah, I was kind of, I was really, the words that come to mind, terrified, horrified um, at having sex with someone. And I think, you know, when I had sex with my first girlfriend, she was just like, you know, she was a bio major. She was pre-med. So she was like, whoa, she was so interested, right? Um, And and that freaked me out even more. But the thing is, is like... um, I think I've been lucky in the sense of like the people who I've partnered with have been very affirming. Um, I think when I've had casual sex, people have been really affirming. Um, so I think for the most part, like I have, um, have had, you know, really positive experiences, but I do think like, you know, cause now I'm like casually dating and hooking up and, you know, I think, people you know i think that's where it can get really binary right because like people are just mm-hmm. like p- people either want a penis or a vagina and i think i've been okay with rejection to be like listen this is what i got so take it or leave it period like i don't you yeah. know when i'm in these dating these hooking up streets these dating streets i'm like listen this is what i got this is what i'm packing you know tough titty um yeah. but yeah, I mean, I do think, like, um, yeah, I mean, you know, just to sum up, like, I think I've had overall positive experiences. And I, and I do think sometimes it can be, like, wow, like, um, based on my body, right? Because, you know, my my body is not, you know, if you line up a whole bunch of intersex people, we have different experiences of our body, different bodies, different genitals, different everything right yeah but i think based on my personal experience i think it has been um you know i think whenever i have casual sex i think sometimes it can be difficult to navigate a real binary world right 
Or like if yeah. people have hooked up with FTMs, they're just like, oh, this is what I'm expecting. And I'm like, mm, I don't got that, you know? Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty interesting, you know? But for me, it's just like, yeah. I wouldn't want it any other way. It's really dope. Thank you for sharing that. Because I feel like when, you're, you. when your work is so uh, personal, um, people really zone in on one identity so thank you for sharing you know something else totally. <laughs> and, and another I, intersection I share, I share of your with you, I share with you a funny story so one of um, yeah. my exes um, this was back in 2005 we had hooked up um, you know we had this party we hooked up she, she brought me home I was like yes um, and you know before we had sex I was just like so I have a big clit, right? And she was like, okay, that's cool. So we totally hook up and, um, <laughs> you know, afterwards, maybe we, we eventually started dating and she was just like, I don't know why you told me you had a big clit because she was like, when I was, when I, when we were fucking, I was like, that's not a clit. That's some dick. I know dick. That's some dick. So, so yeah, just, you know, literally the same, they literally are made of the same tissue. <laughs> totally. They it's, are the same. Yo, they are the- real talk. <laughs> real talk. It's real talk. You know? I love it. Yeah. Yes? Question mark? <laughs> Yo, you know, <laughs> to sum up the interview. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you for sharing that story. I'm obsessed with that. Um, I would say that a lot of people, I don't, I don't know the demographic of this podcast. Maybe Ebony can share more, but I know that there's a lot of different age groups that listen to it. And I know there's people that live in like Iowa in North Dakota who also listen to this podcast that are black and intersex and trans and gender non-conforming and queer and don't really have a lot of community um, to support them. And they tell us that, you know, this podcast makes a difference for them. I know you are now in a place you're in Manchester where there's not a whole lot of black people around. So what, what would you say to, you know, young black intersex trans queer folks who are like don't really know where to go for community don't really know to go mm. where to go for support like what would you say to them man you know what's wild is this like <clears throat> you know listen i just turned 44 i don't know if i said that earlier but let me tell you these children out yeah. here they are resourceful okay they will find a way you know that I yep. even though I don't be touching that TikTok with a ten foot pole because it is overwhelming for me. Same. But these young these children get on the TikTok and they make it shake. You know what I'm saying? Um, and it's wild, like you know, kind of like what I said earlier. It's just like to go on TikTok and just see these young people, like people who I have never met before, who I've never seen in these internet streets, being like, I'm intersex or I have this or I have that. And people, you know, responding favorably or people asking questions and they're actually answering the questions. Um, And yeah, yeah, I just think like, you know, 
So everyone who comes out as intersex is not going to be an activist. I don't expect people to be an activist. I just want people to live their damn lives, right? Um, yeah. And yeah. I want, you know, I think just like people fought for me, so, so I can just be out here and be weird and be free and like whatever, you know, like I'm fighting so other people don't have to fight as hard, right? So people can be free yeah. and it's just like... You know, I think if there's any, like, black, intersex, queer, trans, you know, young people, older people, whoever's listening, it's just like, we are here, right? Like, for me, like, my door is always open to connect with, like, black intersex folks, right? Like, and if folks are committed to sort of like social change and fomenting rebellion, I'm here for that shit too, you know? Um, You know what I'm saying? Let's get it! You know? And so I just... Let's get it! Yo! You know? So like... Like, I trust the young people to be creative and inventive and, like, find each other and find ways to connect and find ways to sort of, like, share ideas and, like... um, you know, I trust that. And it's just like, you know, if they want to hear some of my experience, they're welcome to pull up a chair and we can talk or they can hit me up and, you know, I'll be here. But, you know. Thank you so much for that. I think what I love most about talking to you, Saif, is that you, you pretty talk, every any conversation that anybody watching your videos on Black People Tell Black History or an interview that you've done or anything, any of the work that you do, all these sort of myths about intersex folks and black intersex people are just immediately dispelled. Like mm-hmm. all the myths that the white, you know, pathologizing medical industrial complex has come up about black people right. and about black people's gender and black people's um, sex assignment and black people's everything. You just immediately dispel it. Like mm-hmm. you are talking about. You are so free. Like, Mm. you are so free despite all that has tried to contain you. You're like talking about clapping cheeks and, you know (laughs) what I'm saying? Like, you're not accepting this this false desexualization, you know what I'm saying, of intersex people. It's like, now we be clapping cheeks, you feel what I'm saying? We out here, we writing dissertations. We're 44 years old. Like, we're 44 years old. (laughs) Alive, like, and, you know, and also still, like you said, um, just still so willing to take on the movement instead of, in spite of all that it it likely cost you in time and effort and emotional energy and labor to constantly be talking about the violence that you've experienced, but also taking on the violence of, you know, an entire community. I think that is just, it's just remarkable um, talking to you and that the fact that you still decide to do this every day when you could just be, like you said, doing something else. You know what I mean? Not actually having to be an activist, which I really wish you, you know, that none of us had to be. Those of us who, you know, identify with that label. Listen. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, yeah, yeah. And that's such a beautiful reflection. And, you know, I just feel like, I just draw so much strength from, like, the people who came before us, right? Who were just like, you know, I need, I need to do my part to make it better for 
the people who come after me. I mean, that's what we do as black folks. That's what we have been doing. Yeah. For decades, yep. for yeah. centuries, right? It's just like, even yeah. though the conditions are unbearable at times, there's something in us where we're just like, you know what? There are those of us who really push for dignity, push for equity, push for like our representation, our freedom. And that just, you know, continues yeah. to lend an example to, you know, the folks yes. who, for future generations, right? So we're all part of that legacy. You know? That's right. Beautiful. Erica, did you have another question? My last question is where can people find your work? Where can we find Ooh, it? Wait. Where can we get that dissertation? What are we what are you Ooh. are you Yeah, when a dissertation dropping? Oh Lord, hopefully it is dropping in September of this year, Lord. Um okay. in the year yes. of our Lord. <laughs> Because when that thing is done, I'll be, I'll be, who, I'll be so happy. Um, you know, man, people can, you know, find me on IG. Um, do people still use Facebook? I don't know. I think people do. Um, I am not on TikTok. (laughs) I'm just like, oh, TikTok's so scary. Um, but yeah, I do have a video of me and Justice on TikTok though. Um, and um, yeah, so you do have a TikTok. I do have a TikTok because here's the thing. My friend kept sending me videos, right? And she's like, "Oh, you gotta see this! Oh, you gotta see this!" And I'm like, "Oh, oh!" So fine, let me see the videos. Um, so then I was like, "Well, let me create a little TikTok, you know." And then I just put it on a video, of me and Justice. But then I was like, you know what? By this point, I was already in England. I'm like, I got grad school. I can't be fucking around on this. I don't need this time sucks. So I was like, nope, no TikTok for me. Um, but yeah, you know, and people can, um, you know, find me, Um I did want to do a plug for, um, so I did a collaboration with Micah Bazant, who is this amazing sort of trans artist. Um, and they, we, collaborated on a poster it's called protect intersex youth um you can learn about it on my website on it's on their website um and it's also on the intersex justice project website and all proceeds from the poster sales goes to support four intersex organizations um one in latin america and three in africa um so every time i get um a chunk of money I send it to those organizations. And basically what I like about it is just like that's money that they don't they don't have to write no grant report. They don't have to do nothing. It's just like yeah. money for them, period. I was just like, take your yes. team out to dinner, fucking do whatever the fuck you want to do with it. This is your money. This is what you know, this is what's up. So I encourage I always try to encourage people to buy posters because that money goes directly to um goes into the pockets of um, intersex organizers in the global south. Cool. Absolutely. And we'll have a link to that in Cypher's website in the description of this podcast. So y'all can go out there, open y'all coin purse, get those posters. Yeah, your opinion. And get in contact with Cypher. Yes. Yes. And your Venmo and your Cash App and your PayPal, all of that. Go, go, go open your coin purse for Cypher. Yes. Go, go do that. Yes. Yes. Plug it. Yo, you know uh, what I'm saying? Well, unfortunately, we have to end this episode, which I do not want to do that. <laughs> but 
things can't be as long as I like them to be. Um, so we will now end here, but this is not the end of Black People Tell Black History. Please stay tuned. We coming to y'all every single day with some beautiful black people telling it how it is, telling it from our experiences and our perspectives. Saifa, thank you so, so much. And everybody, if you're not waiting on the dissertation, you're not following Saifa, you need to start doing it right now. So we'll have all the Saifa's information and how you can keep up with them in the description of this podcast. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Sam. Okay, let's start to it.